0: They're making like a million dollar a year EBA business, a good business if you own all of it or, or own you know half of it. You're making good income I and mean, you're probably in the top 1% from an income perspective. But and that's where they plateau because they're like, oh, I got here. That sucked. And they could so easily go to five million. Welcome
1: to the business ownership podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedeluk and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: No, thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business.
0: So yeah, I'm uh, Jeremy Delk. Um, I guess probably best describes like a serial entrepreneur um, from a small town called Bardstown, Kentucky. So uh, spent my early career on Wall Street and then... Um, ventured out into private equity and venture capital, started my own fund about 20 years ago. And we invest in uh, small, medium-sized businesses. Um, we're industry agnostic for the most part. So it um, doesn't have to be a specific industry. The last 10 or 12 years has been a lot of real estate development, a lot of healthcare. But um, yeah, we uh, decided to kind of you know get out, talk, um, share some stories that um, <clears throat> just finished a book last year called without a plan. It talks about, you know, really, you know, it's a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. And I really try to talk in through my coaching programs or just speaking on stage, talk about, you know, changing that mindset of failure. Cause I think so many people have this negative connotation of it. Um, and that's where I think the real the real learning happened. So that's, uh, that's about me.
1: Awesome. Well, we will absolutely get into all of those details but I have to ask what took you from Kentucky to Wall Street? <laughs> yeah I mean
0: it was definitely a windy uh windy <laughs> road. I mean I think I grew up in that you know small town you know the big fish small pond mentality yep. and I always had this drive to kind of want to do more see more and be more and yeah through a kind of twisty past I ended up going to school in Providence, Rhode Island on a scholarship for marketing and then I started day trading at a young age I was like 17 and what? had had some some minor success in that. Um, took 30 grand of an inheritance and uh, grew that about two years to about 2 million bucks. And then subsequently blew it in in the late 90s, early 2000s. If you remember the dot-com kind of bubble, I lost 2 million bucks in about four days, which was pretty cool. Um, And that kind of, yes, put a spiral in place. But, you know, things don't happen to you. They they happen for you. And through a, a random sequence of events, I end up becoming... Uh, one of the youngest uh, institutional equity traders uh, in Fidelity history. Um, I was nineteen. So,
1: wow, that is awesome. So, I, I'm I'm picking at threads that I think were <laughs> foreshadowing. So, you got an inheritance, and you decided, hey, I'm going to take up day trading.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> as directed that, That's but it wasn't awesome. too far. Well, like so I I knew I was going to come into you know a little bit money. My dad passed away when I was younger, and I think it goes to the, where i wanted to be and like sinatra said if you can make it here you can make it anywhere and like obviously speaking in new york and you know being in this sheltered kind of small town environment the only thing i equated new york to mm-hmm. was like good mob movies like the the mob and mafia and like <laughs> godfather and all those things my last name's delk so that wasn't going to really work um and then wall street was the other piece. So that's, uh, that's literally how simply it was. So I started reading wall street journal, investor business daily, and completely self-taught complete idiot. Um, I learned, I learned a lot. Um, but you know, yeah, self-taught. And this is way before the internet where you can actually educate yourself pretty efficiently. I was just kind of going through off a lot of, uh, Know feel and
1: well, yeah. I was going to say, like job. back then, it was you had books, and if you didn't have the books in the library, <laughs> you yeah, really didn't I mean, have we, access we, to it. So they, somebody clearly, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: something. they had the, we had you know it was the early you know not early era of the internet, but it was just kind of you know on its up, and they had the equivalent of Reddit. Um, I don't know if it's actually still around. I should check. Um, it was called Raging Bull, and it was a um Raging Bull. That'd be hilarious. If it was still around. Um, yeah. Improve your trading skills. There you go. So raging bull was a, um, it's much cleaner now, but it used to basically be (laughs) just a big chat room where you've got these idiots, you know, with who knows, right. What there's, but they're just going through on message boards. Like this is my opinion here. And these like little micro analysts. So, um, that's where I was in, I was in these, you know, chat rooms, listening to people who I, well, they run the internet. So they must be smart type of thing. And, uh, but I learned a lot. It was, it was good. And then you start to get a sense for the market. And I, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, losing that much money sucked and it was probably the worst thing that happened to me at the moment, but in my life, probably it was one of two or three events that really helped me be who I am today.
1: Oh, well, I am absolutely fascinated with the way that people's brains work and how they create the successes that, that create, um, and we are here to help those who are kind of listening in and going, okay, so how do I do it? <laughs> one is self-help, one is raging bull, um, but the others. So talk to me about kind of what you're doing right now and, and how you're working with, you know, equities and all that kind of fun stuff. What are you, what are your
0: uh, yeah, so,
1: big projects right now?
0: Yeah. So um, right now we're, you know, looking and doing a lot of real estate stuff, which, um is against popular opinion, right? You know, we're in this recession and alleged recession, but I think this is where opportunities. There's a lot of fear in the market, so we're leaning into that. Um, so that's something we're looking at. Um, I don't have anything in the stock market. Funny enough, um, usually I'll, you know, most of my investments are small, medium size. I was early in Airbnb and Uber um, and Twenty Three and Me, but I exit after they go public. Typically, um, so we really. I, I can't make an impact there. I mean, I, I think they are good sound companies, completely passive, but I like to be an active investor. Um, you know, Delk Enterprises is the name of the firm and it's strategic capital. So yes, sometimes you need money and most times you need money. Um, oftentimes it's not as much as you think. Um, and also, you know, money only solves part of the problem. Now you start to go and deploy that capital to something. And that's either a human, it's a team, a software, an ad campaign, So over the years, I've built, you know, my own team. So they're shared services. So we're able to, you know, help entrepreneurs kind of get to where they want to go much quicker with capital, but also a way to be able to deploy that. So it's been a bit of a win-win. So now I find myself, I do a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of speaking um, on stage and it's, you know, part of it is altruistic because I like to kind of help people. I think entrepreneurs are problem solvers innately. So this is something that I like to do and I like a challenge and kind of figuring out issues, but, um, so hopefully they take some value and, and learn some lessons that I had to learn with them out, out without them having to go through it. But also it creates a lot of deal flow for me, uh, you know, in full transparency, a lot of my clients come on as coaching and I'm helping them or consulting, whatever you want to call it. And that allows us to build a relationship. I'm able to add value far below, far above what, you know, this little small consulting fee is. Then I can prove my value, go through it, and then allows me to kind of offset some of the expense of my time to learn about these industries and these businesses. And then not all the times, but sometimes it does, you know, turn around to me, you know, either investing capital or time or resources or all the above into a business. So it allows me to get new deal flow and and see new deals that I wouldn't otherwise see.
1: Well, I know there is a ton of opportunity, especially in the States for people to be able to invest in, um, at a, at an affordable rate, I want to say, cause I mean, it's absolutely insane in some places right now as to kind of what kind of properties you can get and and build out. Are you, what kind of, what area of real estate are you in and and how does your operation work?
0: Yeah. So I don't do um, huge industry, which I think is very successful. I'm, I'm just not in, I've been in it before is, you know, a lot of multifamily stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that is saturated and, and kind of a lot of that is a bit overpriced, but it definitely is the future. Cause I think the new generation are not like our parents or even like us where the American dream is let's buy a house and that kind of thing. That's not necessarily how this next generation is wired. They're more experiential based and housing is just, you know, a service that they need, just like getting DoorDash. So I do think that is the long-term play. Um, and you see guys like BlackRock and big institutional money going there. Um, I've again, had those properties I've made, you know, better margins and returns for me on like trophy assets. So we've got, you know, like high end luxury, you know, you know, resort type of projects and properties that are, you know, again, nice trophy assets, but very unique. So you get a bit of a cache and extra value there. Um, And then a lot of commercial. So flex space is really cool. So this is for anyone not interested or not knowing what flex space is. It's usually industrial space with a small office. So think of every painting contractor, plumbing contractor, gutter contractor, you know, they need some little office space to work out, but it doesn't need to be in the most um you know desired neighborhood. Um so you can often find land inexpensively, but they have good cash flow to be able to pay really good rents. So you're th- almost like land banking something that, you know, as you know property grows and you have this urban sprawl, um, it could become you know more valuable property. And then it also gets a, a really nice cash flow because you're really all you're building is you know pre-engineered metal buildings, some plabs, mainly warehouse space. So the, the turnout and fit out cost is much less than typical retail. And you've got a higher longevity because these contractors, um, business is good for them. Uh, yearly, you know, currently very good. But even through, you know, from a recessionary standpoint, people still need a plumber, gutter guy, those types of things. So that's interesting to me. And we're right now exploring a lot of commercial properties. Um, so office buildings and looking about maybe repurposing those for other uses now that you know, not everyone goes to the office every day. So those are the probably three verticals.
1: I love it. So when you're looking for um, people to work with, I'm assuming that you're looking for investors to be able to, to come in and play, or is there other aspects to it?
0: Um, so, so investors from, so we don't, I mean, most of those deals we do ourselves. Okay. Um, You know, we would partner on someone that would bring a deal to us, right? That doesn't have the capital or something like that. That's really what it is. But if we can find them ourselves or create them ourselves, we'll, we'll likely do them ourselves.
1: Awesome. So how do most people work with you?
0: So, I mean, really it starts with a call, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can get in touch with me on jeremydog.com or through any of my social channels and it sets up with a discovery call. Um, I am the guy you want to call if your business is on fire, right? If you have a business and you're trying to do incremental growth and it's taking it from seven to 10%, I'm probably not your guy. Um, And that's good to know who I kind of serve. I'm just not you know, engaged or thrilled by that. I really like to kind of problem solve and kind of think outside the box. So, hey, we need double revenue or we need to do this or do that. Like that's the type of critical thinking I think I can add a lot of value to. And I can quickly ascertain whether I can help or not. So it really starts with a call. So you could you know, reach out to me on any socials, you know, book a call on the website. And then from there, we have this discovery call of what's going on. and How can I help? A lot of times it's just maybe it's a 10 minute call. I have, offer some recommendations and then they're on their way. Um, sometimes, you know, it looks like there's a deeper relationship potentially there. Um, so we would start looking at some type of consulting agreement uh, arrangement where um, they either get access to me and my team, and we really try to go through and identify, you know, two or three critical problems or goals that they have to be able to kind of solve, and then we help to kind of keep them accountable to be able to reach those. Um, and that could be anything. You know, hiring, firing, you know, um, you know, scaling an orga- organization, raising money—I mean, any of those critical problems that every business and every entrepreneur has—that's what we try to focus on. Those two or three pieces, and that starts a relationship. Um, you know, I'm not a contract guy. If I don't add value, like just don't use me anymore, right? So you can kind of cancel anytime. But I just want to kind of build relationships. I, I'm intuitive by nature, so we we usually start that way. Then throughout that journey, again, not all the time, but oftentimes. Um, there usually is a relationship um, opportunity for me to become an investor or a partner um, in JB. And and that's how, you know, I've had a lot of fun, but that I don't want to kind of, you know, forward step that I like to be invited in that club. And only after you see, you know, I'm adding value and my team's adding value to your overall business and process.
1: So when it comes to businesses being on fire. And I kind of laugh as I say that because I think most of them are always on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, do they have to be of a certain size? Do you like them to have a certain dynamics or a certain complexity to the systems? Or is it merely, help, I have three months of this and I'm not, <laughs> it's not going to last. It's,
0: it's a fair question. So the deals I typically like, we typically buy mm-hmm. companies or invest in, we like to be probably at a minimum of 500,000 uh to a million in ebit on a mil, uh, on a minimum mm-hmm. and then 10 10 million of ebit on the on the higher side that's kind of our sweet spot but i say that with you know a bit of cautionary piece because i don't want that to you know exclude somebody that thinks right. oh i've got this but i'm just not there because i mean maybe i i can help you maybe i can't but it's worth a call. It's worth five, 10 minutes just having a conversation because, you know, and I'm happy to do that for free. I, I, I want to be able to help. I think there was times when I was an entrepreneur um, in the early days and even later in life, right? That you get beaten down. This is a lonely um, journey that we're on sometimes. And, you know, to be able to just to kind of be a sounding board that's, you know, not emotionally invested, that's a lot of value. So um, maybe your business isn't there yet, but it will be in a year or two let's talk, let's have a conversation and go through. So um, we, we I'd love to talk to anybody where we find us offering the most amount of value is in that threshold, because what happens is you've got these, you know, single operator businesses and they've got a small team. They hit these mental, um, roadblocks and like, Hey, that's where I am. And they're comfortable, right? They're making like a million dollar a year. eba business, a good business. If you own all of it or or own, you know, half of it, you're making good income and you're probably in the top 1% from an income perspective, but, and that's where they plateau because they're like, Oh, I got here. That sucked. And they could so easily go to 5 million or so easily to 7, but they're scared of like, well, fuck, what if I break it, right? And I think it's like, dude, you're not going to break it. Like you built a real business, but it's, it's having someone else externally explain that to them and help. So that's where I've been able to offer the most value because, and what I do is not like, I'm not some like voodoo specialist. It's, it's just simple business pre- principles. Like, right? I mean, it's it not, business is simple, right? We complicate it, humans complicate it. So adding these processes and, and, and techniques that I've done over the last 20 years with, you know, Inc 500 companies, taking companies, public, private, all those pieces I mentioned industry agnostic because they work because you know, people do business with people. That's it. And 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 that's really what business is. So the more you can kind of simplify that, and that's what we try to try to do. Um, so yeah, hopefully I answered your question.
1: Well, and I think too that it's obviously it's your experience that helps them to trust that <laughs> that opinion. It's not just simply an outside sounding board that matters. It's being able to have somebody that you trust that is gonna be able to build your business. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and like I mean, like my book that, that I, I kind of I I put out there the first the first crack of it was all like business tips, advice, and things that I did, and I threw it away because um it wasn't disingenuine. It was all factual and everything was accurate in the in the book, but it was only half the story because it was only the business side. So I really it was very hard. I don't recommend anyone doing this. It sucked, but I just brutally op- opened up and shared like a lot of personal stuff because business is personal. And if you don't share that that you're going through, through childhood, all the other, if you don't get through that stuff, it affects everything in your life, your marriages, your friendships, your partnerships, your business, everything. So I was just kind of open book. And that's where I get most of my positive feedback is like, dude, that's, you know, thank you for being so vulnerable. Cause I think if we could be more human and be more vulnerable with each other, the world would be a better place. So I put all that out there. And yeah, you hear the stories of all the big companies i built. And so but what you hear is me getting punched in the face several times and like going, going through, and hopefully, you know, your audience and the people I work that don't have to go through all that I had to go through, but it, it teaches you. And hopefully by an example, like through resi- resilience, as long as you keep moving forward, you've never really failed. Um, There are lessons that you've learned. Just don't make those same, same things twice. So that's it. I don't have this, Hey, Look at my illustrious career because I've never had a failure. Dude, I've had tons of failures, but that's why we should talk because maybe I can save you some steps that I just didn't see something coming, right? And I think that's the piece, you know, 20 something years of overnight success, 20 years in the making, right? We're, we're not so smart because what I read in the book, I'm, you know, it's, it's what we've done and, and the experiences that we had, that's where the value kind of lies. I think that's an obligation for someone that's done it for a little bit. To pass on to that next generation because they're going to go through it regardless if you interact
1: with them and interject or not love it well I've often said that the experience that we get we can't just go from success to success to success otherwise we start to, <laughs> to actually doubt that that's you know that there's something there and that it's worthwhile uh entertainingly enough and if we were a scientist and it worked you know, our hypothesis one, every time Then we start to screw things up in order to prove that that is in fact, the way <laughs> it works, because we, without having those boundaries or the gutters in a bowling analogy, if you don't have your balls going in the gutter, you don't really know that you're on track or you're not it's yeah, it worked, but yeah, but you don't learn anything. Right. I mean, like I, I didn't learn clearly because I
0: lost 2 million bucks in four days. I, all my success was just blind halfway luck in a bull market right yeah i got lucky yeah, i had a program i had a system I, d- I did some stuff right not it wasn't all just dumb luck it is in, in a machine in the lottery but it was a lot of luck right with with some with some strategy but i didn't learn anything and that was one of the biggest lessons looking back in life thank god i lost two million bucks that's how i look at it thank god when i was when i was 19 um almost when i was 20. thank god because that would suck a lot more if it happened now with you know two kids and one on the way and a wife and responsibilities and employees. So you have to look at it from that lens that this happened to you, okay, and then now you can kind of move on and learn from it. So it taught me a lot of humility. It taught me a lot of, maybe you're not the smartest guy in the room because you never are. And, and the moment that someone stops learning, I think you die, right? I mean, we always have something to learn. There's always a new trait, insight, perspective always a new perspective to understand. I think it, the better you could be at reading people and perspective and understanding with empathy there, um, where they're setting, it allows you to be a better negotiator, a better business partner, because you are now aligned with each other, as opposed to like, hey, this is only for me, and you're in these, these uh, silos.
1: Absolutely. So when it comes to business and helping entrepreneurs, I know a lot of them are thinking, well, I just need more sales. If I just had more sales, it would solve all my problems. What do you have to say to those?
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree to a, to a degree, sense. right? I mean, like, <laughs> freaking, you know, sales solves most problems, right? More money solves a lot of problems, at least gives you the resources to go and, and reallocate. So um, it's not, it's not a, bad, um, a bad place to start. Um, I think it's the right place to start as opposed to like, hey, let's cut expenses because then you're just kind of cutting your way to your own death. But I think it's where people look at sales Um, we so often look at, Hey, I'm selling hundred widgets to hundred people. If I can only sell 10,000 widgets to 10,000 people, um, I would be this much better. And it could be true. Right. But, you know, the first place I start analyzing businesses is like, what is the product? And a lot of times it's, you know, one or two different products and, you know, as opposed to going wider, which you should still do. Oftentimes there's an opportunity to go deeper with your current, uh, customer base, so that could be a premium product, an add-on, something like that, that, that done for you service if you're in the service space and you will have a population of your clients that you can go to readily and, and interact and sell to like that, especially in digital marketing and a digital media company as well. Like we all get so obsessed with, you know, CAC, right? Customer acquisition costs, you know, um, LTV, lifetime value, you know you know, row ads, return on ad spend, we get fucking, you know, so like, like sports analysts with all these numbers and metrics that we look at. And so often we forget about the customers at the end. And then when we get them, we actually don't spend any time on those customers, right? Yeah. We'll put them in a nurture campaign and we'll do this and kind of touch them, but like, fucking talk to them, right. Talk to those guys. Like, Hey, I'm thinking about coming up with this new product and it's going to be premium. It's going to be these things. You know, A, would you be interested in that? And then what else would you want to kind of see out of it? That's your f- focus group, man. They will come back to you with free information and telling you what they want to buy, package it up and f- sell it to them. It's it's not rocket science, right? Kind of going back into it, but we so often forget about those customers. The second group we forget about is people we lost, right? That were a customer and kind of, you know, went away, or that we never got. I had a guy in the mortgage business that, that he had a triple month um, for three months in a row by just calling up and saying, Hey, I won't give his name, but Hey, uh, Hey, it's Jeremy. Um, You know, Michelle, you, you know, I'm Jeremy's mortgage. You uh, put an application with us, come through and and, and we didn't do any business. I just want to reach out and see like, what did we, how could we do better to help, help serve you next time? Picked up the phone, not a multi-split marketing campaign split tested with two different landers and in and, and a text opt-in, no bullshit. Just call like, Hey, it's Jeremy and take some time. old oh, school But like, that's pattern interrupt, right? That's now like, Oh, f- guy called me. Well, I just didn't get a call back or I never saw the email or actually I, I, I still need to do something. And, and just by doing that exercise, it does something different than your, your competitors. So yes, more sales, but it's not always, let's just spend more money on Facebook and Google. It could be, um, easier than that or in addition to that
1: love it well and and i've had clients that were (laughs) afraid to do that so we set up a automation system where they'd get a text they'd send out two texts a week to their (laughs) prospects and go hey if you get a chance give me a call on a text they called back and and it forced them to have those conversations which i thought was hilarious yeah, uh, right. so you know, automation can work to make you more personable. <laughs> so, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Uh, awesome. So yeah, when- and, 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 that, that's yeah. a fair point. Cause, I mean, because I mentioned in the call, and some people would say, "Oh, well, I, I don't want to talk to people," and like you know, that's fine. Like, you're introverted. A lot of digital marketers, especially, mm-hmm. are introverted, right? They don't walk. like. I can write a great sales copy, but I, God forbid, I have to talk to someone at a cocktail party. That's fine, but okay. There's people you can do that. There's, there's appointment setters, there's appointment closers. There, there's things, there's a tool out there and the tool could still be a human, but it just may not be you. Right. I mean, look at, you see all these guys that are you know making, you know, faceless YouTube influence. I mean, there, there's so much you can do. Um, but just because you're just because you're scared of it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And, and really, you know, it's, it's something you don't like, it's probably something you should be doing. Right. And you're, and that that's a great place to kind of look in your business. So if there's something like, Hey, I'm not doing it because I just don't want to do it. That could be probably one one of your first kind of uh aha. It's like, all right, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to fucking do it, but let's get Sally to do it or Michelle to do it with her, her service. And I think that's the, that's the,
1: another, another how do you get somebody to (laughs) to do the thing? Awesome. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients.
0: So, wow, there's a, there's a bunch. I mean, I think uh, one I I use all the time is um, it's, it's learning how to pivot right? And this guy was a phenomenal, phenomenal video um, guy. He'd done this for 20 years back when before weddings was a thing and being videography. And then he went into um, sports. He was actually um, the head, um, head media director for a big university here in town. And then um, went out and started just doing a lot of contract stuff. Right. And now with stock video and, you know, video as a service, those margins, right, just like in everything else, have really started to constrict and you can get get that service done quite a bit. So he saw himself like, Well, hey, I'm a little bit older. How do I go and in in and differentiate myself? Because my retainer clients are um you know drawing up a little bit. So he'd always had this dream to go into um digital, um, digital um uh, ads in restaurants so like you've seen any like a re- mexican restaurant you see those tvs so it's not a new idea but you know a mexican you know uh restaurant you see a big tv with local businesses that are kind of going up there so i was like oh, that would always be my dream it's passive income and like it's the margins are great less hours and you know that's that's kind of what i would like to do my next thing so I'm, but he's had this vision for like years i'm like well fuck why haven't you just done it and it's just that simple component of well, how do I get my customers? I'm like, dude, you already have the customers and you're losing them because they don't want to pay you this much money. What if you say, cause you're doing the service, but now you're giving them like what do they want to do. They're, they're not giving you the video just to make videos of them to show it to their family. They're giving you, you're doing this video work for them to go and put out on, you know, different, you know, venues, whether it's their website, social post, whatever their, their ad vertical is TV, you can now go to them and say, Hey, listen, I know you're thinking about, you know, cutting my $2,500 a month retainer. Um, I've actually got this new, new business, um, that includes video. Cause so like his service. You, you have to have the video ads and they already trust him. They know he does great content. So it includes one, one sixty second 60 second spot, um, a month, uh, with free production, my, mind you, which is a massive value. And it's, um, 500 bucks a month. And you get into 25, of these locations and here's the stores It's right in your community. They're like, wow so he in one hand cut himself a little bit and 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 took some 2500 a month customers down to 500 some kept them because the other stuff was working but he won back a ton of the customers that had left him right and now he's got his dream in, in that passive piece so it's just doing it sometimes and saying hey let's look at this other box because you forget it and and he's i mean i think the other piece too was a little bit more mental for him he's like i'm not a sales guy um i'm like yeah, that's fine. Um, don't be a sales guy, but he, you have to do this. He's like, nah, I can't, I just need to get a sales guy. I'm like, dude, no one is going to, um, and, and I tricked him. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm thinking about doing this video and I was actually a customer. So I'm thinking about doing this. He's like, oh dude, what we should do is, I mean, he just lit up like a Christmas tree and explained to it. I'm like, you're a what are you (laughs) talking about? I'm like, that's why you're doing this because he doesn't, I think you're not selling like here, put your pen to paper. It's because that enthusiasm, that passion, they're like, fuck, I want to work with that guy as opposed to the 22 year old kid. Like, Hey, yeah, it's a 495 a month. And I mean, like that doesn't work. They're not going to be able to, to sell the feeling and the emotion as well as they did. So, um, it was a process with him, getting him, um, you know, to overcome those internal, you know, preconceived notions that he couldn't do something. I'm like, dude, you're already doing it. Um, so yeah, that was a good one.
1: I love it. So some of the struggles that people might be having in their business that are listening right now, hiring is a huge one. Um, being able to retain staff, getting the right people doing the right jobs, getting them to do their own jobs, always fun. Um, obviously not making the sales or the revenue that somebody wants. Is there anything else that they are personally going through right now and going, Oh my God, Jeremy, I need you so bad.
0: I think it's this level of of feeling overwhelmed and, you know, this uncertainty of what's kind of happening. And I think people think that that's going to go away and it's, and it's bad to have that it never goes away, right? I mean, I've had some some success and I still have it, right? I still have like, oh fuck, whatever. Am I a dancing monkey? I've got to kind of go and figure this thing out. But that is kind of your job. Like it it it's stress and the thing, that's what you get paid to. You are an entrepreneur. You chose this or it chose you and embrace it. It's okay. It's okay to be stressed. It's okay to be overwhelmed. And I think just taking that deep breath of like, hey, I'll get through it. Um, that, that's it. And I think that's really what I kind of go through. Everyone comes in there they're in this huff, like, oh my God, the world, the sky is falling, but we've all experienced that. We've all experienced this tragic boom, left hook, but we are pretty resilient as humans. So kind of getting through there. So that's the first piece. I mean, you have those experiences and you kind of feel it. Like, I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to work. The business is going to still be here. Should I sell it? What should I do? So any of that level of uncertainty, um, most of the time it's self-manufactured. So, um, that's when you should call. That's when you should reach out. Like, Hey, this is what's going on and talk to someone. And if it's just a sounding board and then nothing happens, well, at least you kind of got invented another perspective of it. What's, there's no harm in that, you know?
1: Love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. Obviously we'll have your links in the show notes. So peeps, you can scroll down go to jeremydelk.com and book an appointment to meet with Jeremy and, you know, just pick his brain. (laughs) So a treasure trove of, of information there. And we're not done yet. So I get to ask, yeah, at what point in life did you know that you were the special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think you would say. Um, so I, I, I resigned from a high paying job at 21, um, living in New York City, got my dream. And, um, you know, both my parents, my mom, and my stepdad worked for the post office. So I was making like more than both of them combined just pulled myself back out of losing all that money, you know, um, at the, you know, world's my oyster. And then I just wasn't, you know, I saw that I wasn't, um, I wasn't fulfilled, right. We weren't other than making a lot of money, we weren't creating anything and I had this inner creative component and I just wanted to go in and and do something different because I wanted to be in charge. I wanted to kind of actually see something create and, um, I did it right. And my parents thought I was crazy. I think everyone thought I was crazy. And I think I just did it. And what helped me do it was that that $2 million loss. So I think that's it. And I had that event, which I hopefully you don't have to go through to give you that push of the edge, but just having that comfort in yourself. Cause what I told myself is what's the worst that can happen? I mean, it can't be worse than that, right? And 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 I could go get another job, or I can go and do it. So I guess that's the the piece for me that I didn't realize it at the time because I was just so young and dumb um, to go and do it. But it was that courage to take the leap. And I think that's where people struggle. I always ask this question, you know, to, to, and it's rhetorical. Do you have
1: kids, Michelle? I do. One. Okay. 30.
0: <laughs> um, so when did you know um, you were ready to be a parent?
1: <laughs> um maybe last week <laughs> yeah exactly Fucking week never, never
0: like, like no, no one never knows they're ready so it, that's you just do right. it right and i think that's the piece that you, you what is ready what is it you, i don't know that you ever can be <laughs> so just kind of making that step and feeling that comp's like okay i don't know what i don't know but like i'm gonna learn something i'm gonna do something i'm gonna give this a cost because the what do they say the definition of hell is like when you die and you meet the person you could have been right I think if you can really think about that and let that resonate, like, don't, you know, bet on yourself, man. Like you, you only get one go at this. Um, so make it a good ride.
1: You've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps?
0: Yeah. I mean, embrace failure and just get started. Right. I mean, I think that's the biggest piece and you don't have to lose 2 million and go and, you know, resign from a high paying job and, and, and start, you don't have to put it all on the table that's kind of how I'm wired, but take a step. Right. Start the company, put a website up, ask the girl out, whatever it is that's that you're thinking about, just do it. Right. And just take that one step because that step will be monumental and it'll give you the courage to take the next one and the next one. But I think that's the that's the biggest thing. That my biggest fear is that there's so many brilliant, life-changing, you know, world-changing ideas out there. Um, but sometimes they're in people that don't have the courage to actually go and go and take that step. So for, for yourself and for everyone, take a step.
1: Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow.
0: Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention, you do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years and it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The links in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.